guys, it's Elise here. Before we get into this week's episode, just wanted to remind you that we had originally intended for this to be our first episode of 2019, and then our plans got changed. So while you're listening, you might hear a reference or two to the fact that this was supposed to be the first show of the new year and reference to our year in review show. Instead, what ended up getting posted was episode 20 up next. And so we've been sitting on this one for a couple of weeks, but we're very excited for you to hear it. We hope you enjoy and let's get into it. Bye guys. Sorry. Attractive. I'm going to put that in. That's going to be the cold open. <laughs> Just me blowing my nose. <laughs> Tuck that into my bra like a little old lady. There's a fucking garbage can right there, you I monster. I might need it again. There's more. <laughs> Ew, I have snot all over your tits. No, that's the dry part. I have children, all right? I'm used to having a lot of snot on me. everyone and welcome to the newest episode of rabbit holes podcast uh, i am one of your hosts elise and i'm your other host andy let's dive into our stories how do we want to do this today who's going first mm. we don't know what we're doing so it's kind of a toss-up do we want to do wheel of yeah, destiny we'll do the wheel of destiny wheel of destiny updated itself and i don't know how i feel about that <laughs> okay don't judge me but i was trying to figure out what to have for dinner the other night so do you want to be pizza or do you want to be tacos? Because <laughs> I'm not going to like redo the wheel at this point. I'm going to be tacos. Okay. That I can handle. See, it's like different colors and everything. And it's pizza. Where were you? Ooh, I was tacos. Oh, so I'm going first. All right. So if you listened to last week's episode, you will have realized that the content that I covered was depressing as fuck. It had a lot to do with men who got their comeuppance for being terrible, shitty people. Um, so prepping for this week, I was like, I need to get away from like the really depressing, scary, this world is terribleness. Uh, so usually what I need to kind of have like a mental palette refresher, I go through history and I read through fun stuff like that. And so my story today is about a good old standby of mine that I use as a mental palette cleaner and I read about things like Greek mythology. So I'm going to be talking about Greek mythology today. Let's double check. You're not talking about that? No, I am not. Okay. (laughs) This is going to be a tough to find a link. Oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Okay. So from our good old standby Wikipedia and their article on Greek mythology, bit of a definition to help us assess where we're what we're actually looking at and talking about greek mythology is a collective body of stories that's an evolving tradition that stretches as far back as the 18th century before common era so i'm actually old school i prefer to say before christ but like the political correctness train has left the station and now we're all saying bce before common era instead of bc before christ it's a whole thing (laughs) i'm trying to train myself to be more respectful of modern historians. It's not going well. Anyway, uh, Greek mythology started as an oral tradition. And what we know about the um, kind of Greek pantheon of gods and heroes and legends comes from that oral tradition, but it's been reinforced by depiction of the stories and works of art, like on vases or vases, if you're fancy, and buildings like mosaics and friezes. When I talk about mythology, I mean the stories about the gods and goddesses, the heroes, mythical creatures, rituals, and big events. So the Battle of Troy, for example. Historians, anthropologists, historical sociologists, and archaeologists use Greek myths to help understand religious, political, and social institutions of the past. And if you're not a historian or historically minded, you might think, why is that important? To which I say, shut the fuck up, it is. It's just important for itself. (laughs) Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Yes, exactly. Uh, Greek mythology influenced Roman mythology, and they both influenced modern Western civilization and culture right up into our own time. One of the best modern collections of the Greek myths is a one-book collection known as Bullfinch's Mythology. And uh, Bullfinch's Mythology is in the public domain, so you can get it online for free. 
Thomas Bullfinch was born in Boston in 1796, and his education included the traditional classical focus, so he learned quite a bit about the myths of Roman and Greek traditions. After he graduated from Harvard, he started writing out the myths that he had known in a collection, and he included examples of how contemporary artists, mostly playwrights and poets, used those myths in their own stories. So if you are looking for that kind of mental palate cleanser, pick up or find Bullfinch online and all the stories that we know are there. Let's start from the beginning, though, and look at the creation story as far as the Greeks are concerned. So the first traceable creation story is attributed to Hesiod, who was an oral poet active sometime between 750 and 650 BCE. In the beginning, there was chaos, which was a yawning nothingness, and chaos is with a capital C because it was a personification. Out of the void emerged Gaia, which is the Earth, and other divine beings like Eros, who is love, the Abyss, which is part of the underworld, and the Erebus, the unknown place where death dwells. Without male assistance, what up? Gaia gave birth to Uranus, the sky, who then fertilized her, which, ew. Yeah, gross. From that union, the first Titans were born. There were six males and six females. And after Cronus, or Time, was born, Gaia and Uranus decreed that no more Titans were to be born. This is where shit gets weird. Cronus castrated his father and threw the severed genitals into the sea, from which arose Aphrodite, goddess of love, beauty, and sexuality. Cronus became the ruler of the gods, and his sister wife, Rhea, as was his consort. Because Cronus betrayed his father, he feared that his own offspring would do the same thing to him. So each time Rhea gave birth, Cronus snatched up the child and ate it. But Rhea kind of resented him, this, as one would, uh, and tricked him into hiding one of her children, Zeus. And instead, she wrapped up a stone in the baby blanket and gave it to Cronus, and Cronus ate the stone instead of Zeus. When Zeus was grown... Was he eating these whole? Like He was just swallowing these. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, when Zeus was grown, he fed his daughter a drugged wine, which caused Cronus to throw up all of his children. And then Zeus and his siblings challenged their father Cronus to the war for the kingship of the gods. Zeus and his siblings, also known as the Olympians, won that war, and the Titans were hurled down into imprisonment in the abyss. So it's not a very subtle creation story. <laughs> no. No. We all know about the big guys like Zeus and Athena and Aphrodite, uh, but I want to look at some of the lesser known deities in the bunch. Um, and I mean, I've picked four that seemed kind of interesting. Like there are dozens, if not a hundred that you could have uh, oh, yeah. learned about. First are the Eumenides, the female personification of vengeance, which I mean, come on, of course, vengeance has to be a woman. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> we just know how to do it better. <laughs> Vengeance demons. <laughs> there was three of them. Electo was known for being unceasing. Megarera was known for being uh, carrying a grudge. And Tisiphone was the avenging murderer. They were born from Uranus's blood when Cronus castrated him, and their heads are wreathed with serpents. Blood drips from their eyes, and they were described as having wings or the body of a dog, and they were generally terrifying to look at. I mean... You gotta dress the part, I guess, if you're vengeance, so yeah. let them have it. Their job was to keep the natural order of things. So, for example, they went after people who murdered their family members, like, hardcore. Like, they really went after them. We could use a few of those right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the fates were responsible for deciding a person's destiny. They assigned good or evil characteristics to a person, and their most important task was deciding how long a person was to live. So once again, there was three of them. Uh, Clotho was responsible for spinning the thread of life. Lachesis chose how a person, how long a person would live and how they would live, whether it would be good or a bad life for them. And Atropos was responsible for cutting the thread of life. So she decided when they were done. After that, we have Nemesis, who is the goddess of divine justice and vengeance. So once again, you leave that job to the woman. I mean, we just do it so good. She was especially focused on people who displayed hubris, which is arrogance, especially towards the gods. If you got on her shit list, you just never got off of it. She hunted you down to the end. Uh, the meaning of the word nemesis has changed somewhat from this original 
kind of understanding of it. It now means usually um, the ultimate or unbeatable enemy. But as it originally started, the sense of nemesis was uh, just punishment for hubris. Uh, and that's generally been lost. You know, it's a person, whereas before it was a, a reason. And just the last kind of minor, lesser known deity I want to talk about was Thanatos, who was the personification of death. So as important as death is in our modern culture to the Greeks, uh, Thanatos was a minor god. He was the son of the night and darkness, and he was the twin of sleep. In early stories, he's shown as having a sword, a shaggy beard, and a really fierce face, and his coming was associated with pain and grief. In later eras, though, uh, society started seeing death as a chance to live in paradise or Elysium. So death was less feared and was actually welcomed in a lot of cases. And at that point, the imagery around him started to change. And he started to be seen as an attractive young man with wings. So a bit of a shift for Thanatos over time. Yeah. He got young and hot. Yeah, exactly. Gods and goddesses are one thing, but mortals also appear in mythology as well, and their stories are just as messed up as oh, the yeah. gods. Uh, so I have a couple of those to talk about. Um, the first is Cassiopeia, who was queen of Ethiopia. She's very beautiful, but very vain, and she committed hubris by saying she and her daughter Andromeda were the more beautiful than the sea god Nerissus. As punishment for this, Poseidon sent a sea monster and or flood of the coast that she lived on as punishment. And I mean, the oral tradition kind of shifts and changes. But to appease Poseidon, an oracle recommended that they sacrifice Andromeda, who was Cassiopeia's daughter. So they chained her to a rock near the sea so that a sea monster would come and eat her uh, and kind of satisfy Poseidon. Uh, but she was saved by Perseus and they later married. Poseidon didn't like that Cassiopeia got off the hook, so he tied her to a chair and hung her in the heavens so that she'd be upside down for half of eternity. And that's how we got the constellation name for her. And it's one of those rare constellations that kind of rotates over the year, so she does spend half the year upside down and the other half upside right. The next one is the most fucked up story, and that's Oedipus, son of the king and queen of Thebes. So an oracle predicted that Oedipus would kill his father and marry his mother. So to prevent that from happening, the king of Thebes abandoned his young baby on a mountainside to die. He was found, though, and adopted by the king and queen of Corinth. When he found out about the prophecy, but not enough details about his own past, he decided to flee um, Corinth, where he was raised. And on his way, he came across his birth father. They argued, and Oedipus killed him without knowing who he was. He wandered around aimlessly and ended up at Thebes. At the gates, he met a sphinx who had besieged the city, and the sphinx said he could pass if he correctly answered a riddle, which he did, because he was a smart guy, which caused the sphinx to go crazy and throw itself off a cliff. As thanks for getting rid of the monster, the queen of Thebes, who happened to be his birth mother and coincidentally recently widowed, decided to marry him. So the prophecy was fulfilled. Oedipus killed his father, married his mother, and became history's first motherfucker. Literally. <laughs> well, actually, no. Gaia gave birth to... And then he... Yeah, so technically not really. Mm, true, true. <laughs> <laughs> the whole world has been created by some motherfuckers, <laughs> according to the Greek mythology. So you know what? He was just carrying on the traditions. Yeah. <laughs> It's long-standing Greek traditions of Of, fucking the mother. Yeah. (laughs) Finally, uh, in terms of the the mortals that I'm going to talk about specifically, is Cassandra, who was daughter of King Priam and Queen Hecuba of Troy. In an effort to get her to sleep with him, the god Apollo gave her the gift of prophecy. When Cassandra got the gift, she decided she wouldn't sleep with him, so in order to punish her, he added a caveat. She could see the future, but no one would ever believe her. So there, in fact, there are two stories. One of them says that the gift was unasked for and Apollo just kind of dropped it on her and then turned into a real fuckboy and decided that, like, she owed him, much like an expensive dinner. Like, ladies, you don't owe this gentleman anything, no matter if you order the lobster or the garden salad. But Apollo didn't get that message. Uh, The other story is that she did go asking for the gift of prophecy and she did promise to sleep with Apollo for it and then changed her mind after she got it which nobody likes to tease, but still a little over the line. So Cassandra has this gift. She can't see the future. No one believes her. 
She warned everyone that Paris would bring war to Troy. Nobody believed her, of course. Paris went off, met Helen. Helen came home with Paris. All of Greece showed up on Troy's doorstep in revolt. So the, the entire story of the War of Troy happens. And at the end, Cassandra tries to warn the Trojans that the Greek horse that was left at the gates was a trap. But again, no one believed her and they brought it into the city. And we all know how that ended. Yeah. So not a good run for Cassandra. But let's talk about some of the craziest myths out there. And they are some bonkers ones. Let's talk about the just the Me Too times up of it all, and that is Zeus. He was just a straight up rapist. There's a couple of stories, uh, but this one here that I want to share is about Europa. Uh, one day, Europa, a beautiful Phoenician princess, was playing on a beach with her friends when Zeus spotted her and fell in love. Not knowing how to be cool about it, Zeus turned himself into a bull and got Europa to climb on his back and then slam to the island of Crete where he raped and impregnated her. Zeus often turned himself into something else to get into a woman's pants. Uh, for example, he once turned himself into a non-euphemized golden shower to rape a woman to get Princess Diana, mother of Perseus, pregnant. And he once turned into a swan in order to rape an impregnant Leda, uh, who laid fucking eggs. Actual eggs. And that's just to name two. Zeus couldn't keep it in his toga at all. Terrible, terrible. She laid eggs. Jesus. Straight up laid eggs. <laughs> uh, Athena, goddess of wisdom, but was also pretty much the mean girl of the gods. For example, when her priestess Medusa was raped on the floor of her temple, she engaged in pretty much the worst case of victim blaming ever and turned Medusa and her two sisters into the Gorgons and then helped Perseus kill them afterwards. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> Still not sold on her being terrible? Well, then meet Arachne, a weaver who bragged that she was better than Athena, who was also the goddess of weaving, at their craft. So Athena challenged her to a dance-off. Well, no, a weave-off. Arachne won, and Athena bitch-slapped her with a spindle, which killed her, as you would expect. Feeling guilty about it after the fact, though, Athena turned Arachne into a spider to make up for it. And that's why spiders weave webs. Uh, then we have... Ooh, this is going to be hard to pronounce... Aristician. I'm going to go with Aristician, who was just a greedy son of a bitch. Uh, he decided to cut down a sacred grove of trees to build himself a new feast hall. The problem was those were Demeter's trees, and Demeter was the goddess of the harvest. She wasn't inclined to look the other way, so as a punishment, she gave him an insatiable appetite. He ate everything he could, then he bought more food, then he bankrupted himself to buy more food. He even tried to sell his daughter to get more money to buy food. Eventually, he broke down and started to eat himself, and that's how he died. Do not get on Demeter's Brad side is the lesson here on this one. No. <laughs> uh, with Zeus being a fuckboy, it should be no surprise that he made friends with other fuckboys. So meet Ixion, who Zeus invited to Olympus. Uh, while there, Ixion fell in love with Hera and really wanted to fuck her. So to test his friend's loyalty, Zeus created a Hera-looking cloud, which Ixion nailed at the first chance he got, and got it pregnant. Zeus hated the player and not the game, so he turned Ixion into a giant flaming wheel, and then the cloud hair gave birth to cloud babies who turned out to be centaurs. Shrugs? Emoji shrug? <laughs> it was a real mixed bag of a story on that one. <laughs> I love mythology, but what the fuck? What were they smoking when they came up with some of these stories? I know. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, Greek mythology is still a very active part of our lives today. Uh, for example, I once accused a guy of hubris for trying to double book a, a date with me and another woman on the same night. Uh, but he really was full of himself and said, just so you know, I do have a, a, like a second date for later on in the night. And I said, thank you for your honesty. Not a great idea. But okay, like, it's a first date. It's just drinks. Uh, okay. And then he got really like, well, I just, I wanted to like be fair to you and give you the heads up, like in case I like her better than I like you. At which point I was like, wow, you're really full of yourself. And that is a fair dose of hubris. So you know what? Don't worry about me. You just go have your second date. That's fine. He's like, what's hubris? I was like, you need to look that up. <laughs> he did and came back to me. He's like, so you think I'm like arrogant and full of myself? I was like, I want you to go back and look at our text exchange and then you tell me what I, you think my answer is going to be to that. 
Yes. Yes. It's going to be yes. <laughs> also, like, you know, we all know Trojan Horse. The, you know, that is. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know why condoms are decided to name themselves Trojan. I, I'm oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Achilles heel. Um, I love uh, Greek mythology. I was really into it as a teenager. And um, like the fates, the graces, mm-hmm. the furies, the just these powerful female characters mm-hmm. that, although like Hera, that's like a cult. That's like a class act bitch. Oh, yeah. I think I talked about it earlier too. Yeah. So, like I said, Greek mythology is still active in our day. Hubris gets thrown around a lot at jackass fuckboys. Uh, Thanatos, the god of death, sounds a lot like Thanos, who is the bad guy of the recent Avengers movie. It's in our vocabulary. So, for example, Atlas, the term is a book of maps, but it gets its roots from the god who carried the world on his shoulders. Uh, Ceres, the god of agriculture, is also the root of the word cereal, because grains for agriculture and cereal. Chaos is the nothingness that everything sprang out of, but we know it today as confusion or disorder. Uh, Narcissus was a vain god that fell in love with his own reflection, and it's the root of our word narcissism, which is loving yourself too much. And nectar, uh, it was the drink of the gods, and we still use it to describe sweet fruit juices. Greek mythology is in our movie theaters. Wonder Woman was a huge blockbuster in the comic book vein. The culture Diana comes from is the Amazon, which is uh, originally from Greek mythology. Hercules was a popular topic that gets redone every couple of years. Hercules! Hercules! Thring! Yeah. Her- thring. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's a story of Troy. There was a big sword and sand epic from 2004, and that's just the most recent iteration. Clash of the Motherfucking Titans is a favorite movie of mine from 1981. It's going to say 1981. Yes, right? not the new one. I didn't even bother with that because there's no need to redo perfection as far as I'm concerned. It starred Harry Hamlin, Maggie Smith, Laurence Olivier, Ursula Andress, just to name a few big names. And it is claymation at its very best. It is the perfect thing to watch on a Saturday afternoon at like two o'clock when there's nothing good on television. Like, and it's the story of Perseus and Andromeda and all that jazz. It's, I mean, fucking awesome. Like, there was no need to redo it as far as I'm concerned. We had retained perfection. I highly recommend it. And then the story of Pygmalion. Uh, it inspired the story My Fair Lady, which is that Audrey Hepburn, Rex Harrison classic that everyone loves so much. Uh, Greek mythology is on our TV. Uh, Kevin Sorbo's Hercules series that spun off Lucy Lawless's Xena series in the 90s. And my mom used to let me stay up to like 1 or 2 a.m. on weekends watching these movies with her when I was like 7 or 8. And awesome times. Uh, The Adventures of Sinbad was a big thing for a while. And it lasted a lot longer than I think a lot of us would have assumed. And then... It was terribly awesome. Yes, exactly. And it was awesomely terrible. (laughs) And then there was a series, Young Hercules, uh, that I think Ryan Gosling wishes we would all forget about, I'm sure. It only lasted one season, but uh, he got his kind of big start after the Mickey Mouse Club on that show. They're in our shopping malls. Greek mythology pops up there. We have Ajax, the cleaning solution named for the Greek warrior who cleaned up, quote unquote, during the Trojan War. Nike, the winged goddess of victory who ran at great speeds, is represented on Nike shoes by the whoosh symbol that they have. Pandora was the first woman in Greek mythology whose name means all gifted and whose name now graces a popular brand of jewelry for women. And Trojan, a civilization that held out against the Greeks for 10 years, is remembered. Yeah. That's it. Yes. (laughs) They were that wall between... uh, Greeks and overrunning Troy. <laughs> so they're remembered via a condom brand now. Uh, other than being popular themes in pop culture, why are we still so fascinated with Greek mythology? It can be hard to reconcile the time, the place, the culture that created them with our own. But John Johnson wrote an article for Psychology Today's website that may help us understand. He points to several reasons of why they still resonate with us today. They cover universal themes and patterns that we still recognize. They attempt to heroically tackle all stages of life from conception through to ascension following death. 
we find similar imagery slash allegory in our own religions, so we can relate. All religion is a mythology, and in this case, mythology is not meant to be a a pejorative term, but more of a definition. Many characters in myths make sacrifices, there are resurrections throughout, and there are communions with deities. So you can find similarities between your own church practices today with what happened thousands of years ago. They're just good stories. You don't have to be a master weaver to appreciate how unfair it was to die just because you did a better job than some petty bitch who had a modicum of power. I mean, we all deal with that at work every day. <laughs> we just don't have to die for it. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a biological component. Our brains are mapped for narrative memory. So think back to the story that I did on feral children and Jeannie, who couldn't talk properly in terms of grammar, but was a really good storyteller. So that part of the brain is kind of an early development stage, and it's kind of um, it's a really important part of the brain so these stories fit that and it's a narrative pathway that continues through and finally greek myths seek to explain the unexplainable if you're an open-minded person maybe you believe the universe started with the big bang or was carried on the back of a turtle and maybe it really did spring from chaos there are just some unknowables that we're still seeking to know so these greek myths might give us some tips on what that could be Mythology is a great way to spend your time to learn about new cultures and new societies and to cleanse your mental palate following stories about terrible men who do terrible things. There's some terrible men in mythology as well. Yes, as well. uh, And some terrible women as well. Uh, But I'll probably do some more in the future because I know I have on my list of future stories to do um, like Catholic saints, for example. That's a whole other pantheon of mythology, crazy bonkers mythology. And I just scratched the surface on this. Like, I know. There's so much more. My One of my favorite stories is the story of the soulmate. Mm-hmm. So that people uh, were used to be joined, mm-hmm. like conjoined twins picture, but they fought all the time. So eventually their fighting reached the heavens. It got so loud. Zeus came down from the cloud, or from the heavens, Olympus, and said, What the fuck is wrong? And they went, you know, we want to be separated. We want to be apart. We do not want to be together. And he said, fine. So he separated everybody, and everybody went their separate ways. But over time, they never felt whole. Right. So even though that they had went their separate ways, they were always trying to find their other half. Hmm. So when you find somebody and you feel like you found your other half, that is the whole Aww, idea cute. of a soulmate. But yes. Zeus acting like the parent who's sick and tired of listening to their kids argue in the basement, though. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, all right. That's you, what you go want? to your room. You go outside. <laughs> Masking just, tape just, down just, the room. <laughs> just stop arguing. I'll do whatever it takes. Just shut up. So yeah, that's one of my favorite stories. Nice. But uh, I always wanted to go, especially to Delphi. Mm-hmm. Because uh, apparently that is has a feel of a sacred place. Oh. So. I guess some of that gas is still seeping out, maybe? Yeah, I guess it just has that. Because it's, it's a fairly... The original temple, the original cave, I guess, mm-hmm. um, still has that. Sort of like people say Stonehenge. I never got to go to Stonehenge Rose in England. Um, but it has that sort of feeling, too, of mm. if you're so inclined. Yeah. That was my story for the week. How about you? What do you got? So I've got, like I said I was going to do, fetishes. Oh! Yeah, it's going to be fun trying to find a connection on this one. (laughs) Yeah. So, fetish. Fetish uh, has a few meanings. So, fetish is either an object believed to have magical powers to protect its owner. So it's when you believe that that carving of an animal Mm -hmm. is going to protect you. Or, as most of us know, think of when we hear the word fetish, an object or body part whose real or fantasized presence psychologically necessary for sexual gratification, and that is an object of fixation to the extent that it may interfere with complete sexual expression. Okay. So it's sort of that sexual attractiveness to a body part or something else that's of lesser sexual importance. So feet, calves, knees. I mean, like the boobs, the vagina, the penis, they're all important yeah. for sex. Yeah. But it's that, oh, someone has an ear, like, just like, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kinks and fetishes are becoming more mainstream, mm-hmm. but mostly are still rooted in their subcultures. 
And these subcultures come with their own terms and definitions. So if you're thinking that, you know, you have a kink or a fetish that you'd like to explore, do some research before you actually get into the subcultures. So you know what the terminologies are, what they mean. So you know what you're saying yes or no to Mm, Uh, just educate yourself um, because sometimes they have terms that are confusing or that might mean something slightly different than what you think they mean. Oh, so you want to look cool when you show up for the sex act. Yeah. So you want to, you know. yeah, <laughs> you want to not have to be taught on the spot and yeah. explained like a child what you're there to do. <laughs> I mean, you probably still, if you grew up to an orgy, you might, your uh-huh. first orgy, you might need some like handholding, but <laughs> at least know the terms. A little bit more than handholding, but yep. <laughs> <laughs> so kink and fetish are different. So kink means more sexual activities that fall outside of the sex that society uh, deems traditionally normal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or considers traditionally acceptable. So it covers a wide range of stuff, and here are a few of them. So we're so, going Hold on. So first, so I know what we're talking about. A fetish is something that has to do with a physical, whereas a kink is something that has to do with a mental. Yeah, so a kink is more like liking golden showers, liking being peed on or peeing on right. people, whereas kink, a fetish is more like foot fetishes so neat like loving to touch and suck on toes and smell yeah i know yeah uh we <laughs> sorry that was a kink shame i should not have gone ew but that's just not my bag but yeah so uh, um we're not here to kink shame i actually have written this down okay good as long as you are two consenting adults and then no one gets hurt do as you will however we might laugh at some of these or ooh at some of these because they're not our bag so just deal with it we're socially awkward. I was raised by wasps who don't talk about this type of thing. Like, I wouldn't go see the movie Book Club with you because I didn't want to spend two hours watching people talk about sex and Fifty Shades of Grey because I know that that would make me feel really uncomfortable. And my response to uncomfortable is laughter or judgment. Yeah, Book Club is very funny, though. Okay. Yeah, it is quite <laughs> funny. It's a very irreverent look at it. Um Especially Fifty Shades of Grey. And in the same way that Fifty Shades of Grey, in a different way than Fifty Shades of Grey, the movie is funny. Yes. Book Club tries to be and actually is funny. Right. <laughs> um, everybody should go see Book Club, except for Elise, because it's quite funny. It's out on Netflix in Canada soon. Yeah. In January sometime. It's. it's I watched it on week. the plane, and I was just dying. <laughs> but I mean, you've got, like, you have uh, Jane Fonda, you have Candace Bergman, you have... Um, Mary Steenburgen? Yes. Who's the fourth? And um, Diane Keaton. Oh, okay. So you have these like, hilariously funny ladies, and, like, Alicia Silverstone plays Diane Keaton's daughter. Oh. And uh, it's just a really funny and irreverent, uh, irreverent look at... Hmm. Maybe I will try to get over my shame hurdle and watch it home alone quietly and pretend I'm not doing it. <laughs> so first we are going to, um, I'm going to start with this article that I found on from Glamour. Okay. So they did back at the start of last year, they did an article on um, kink and they just listed some alphabetically. So mm. they found one for every letter of the alphabet. Yowzas. So, A is for age play. Okay. Is that like grown men in baby costumes? Basically. So, age play is a form of role play in which one or both partners pretends to be and get off on being an age other than their own. Okay. So, a common example is a daddy baby girl. (sighs) So, if you're calling someone daddy in bed or perhaps more commonly baby and not just like, I love you, baby. Right. But like... A little bit more... I'm infantilizing you. Yeah. Uh, You may already be engaging in some light age play. Using these terms is totally okay for everyone involved as long as everybody is into it. It involves consent. All of these things involve consent. Yes. Consent for both parties. Yes. Um, And and ladies, gentlemen, if you get halfway into it and you decide you are skeeved out by being called daddy or baby, you can stop that. Yeah. And if the other person won't stop that, that's a real big sign that you are not with the right person. Yes. So, you know, there, there's a little caveat later on that talks about you could sit down with your partner and write out a soft list and a hard list. So soft mm-hmm. lists is... <laughs> you said hard. <laughs> and we've lost Elise. <laughs> I'm only at A and I've already lost Elise. 
So like your soft list is things that you think you might be interested in, but you're not sure. Yeah. And then your hard list is things. No, yeah. do not go there. I am not interested in getting shocked. Right. Which we will talk about. Oh, boy. Uh, so the more far out example of age play is adult babies, to which one party enjoys wearing a diaper and role plays as a baby. If age play turns you on, start slow by using terms like daddy and baby. Maybe don't skip straight to diapers and shitting yourself. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, a life lesson for that's applicable really in all areas yeah. of life. B is for bondage. So uh, bondage is just the tying up mm-hmm. aspect of it. Some people like to be tied up. Some people like tying up their partners. This is a pretty vanilla, like... It's becoming vanilla. The, van- yeah, yeah, it's pretty becoming a pretty vanilla. Like, Rihanna has a set of fluffy handcuffs she can buy. She also has, I think, a whip, but or like a paddle that she sells with her like lingerie line. But that you could always buy at like the It store or... Yeah. Um, the american version the name i'm spencer's I yeah think. yeah so there's you know you start with just handcuffs or using the tie to tie someone to the headboard but then you up the ante to shackles and suspensions and all kinds of stuff that sounds expensive and complicated and it requires you to know which where the beams are in your ceiling it's not that hard to get off i'm back to that <laughs> <laughs> so cuckolding Okay. Which is, traditionally, cuckolding is when a heterosexual couple agrees to both explore the turn-on of a female sleeping with other men and humiliating her male partner about the fact that she is sleeping with somebody else. Wow. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so there's a sex, sex educator, Tina Horn, who hosts a podcast called Why Are People Into That? And I think I probably will be checking that out because it's something that fascinates me greatly. Yeah. Um, the male partner doesn't always need to be present sometimes they are to watch the their uh-huh. partner get, get on yeah um perhaps he gets off on his wife i don't know why they put the caveat of having unprotected sex does it always have to be unprotected sex i think if you're doing this you probably should wrap it up i mean i guess well we're back to this whole like ownership level of things like if it's unprotected like your property is being defiled by another guy. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe. In which case, fuck you. But yeah. Okay. I just think people should be safe. Yeah. Um, However, people of all genders and orientation can uh, enjoy variations of this kink. Um, If you're turned on by the idea of your partner sleeping with others, yet don't necessarily want to go through the emotional um, of them actually having... Uh, sex with somebody else you can explore that through dirty talk that's a good way to start Hmm. a lot of this can start with dirty talk if you want to start exploring these things yeah uh then you've got obviously your dominance your submissions most of people know those so we'll skip um e is for electro stimulation uh i don't want acdc anywhere near my junk either the band or the electrical currents I love how you were like banned or those guys are old. <laughs> a lot of them are dead. <laughs> and dead. <laughs> yes, good point. So electrostimulation is harnessing the power of electricity for kinky sexy fun. Getting shocked can be dangerous. No shit. So electrostimulation begins to get into edge play or Yeah, sort of on the the, the edgier mm-hmm. aspect of um BDSM behavior that runs the potential risk of bodily harm. Electrostimulation is part of cock and ball torture sessions. Oh boy. In which a dom shocks her sub's genitals by rigging them to electrical contraptions. And I've seen it having been to some like sexapalooza. It's like a wand <laughs> that gives you a bit of a shock. Okay. So it's not like they're hooking it up to her. You said I've seen it and I was just like, wow, I just learned a lot about Andy that I did not know. Besides which, I did not wake up this morning thinking the sentence cock and ball play would be part of my day. So this last four minutes have been a real whirlwind for me. There's always a potential when you're hearing a story from me. True. Um, one of the first sexapaloozas, they had like a dungeon section. Okay. Where you, you could walk through and you could see some types of um bdsm okay and they had like one of those wands so people could touch it uh if they wanted to see what like the shock felt like Uh 
So um, if you're into that, get and, and you want to really explore that, get something that's specifically designed for this. Don't yes. like hook up a battery and Jimmy rig this yourself. <laughs> and read all of the instruction manual that comes with the yes, device and take it very seriously. Don't be like Jimmy rigging a CD player into a vibrator. It's just not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing somebody with like a bobby pin at the outlet, like hold my hand. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that stimulates the nerve endings and, you know, if you're one of these people who thinks they want to explore this or you are exploring this, just be careful. Mm -hmm. Safety, safety first, people. Uh, As we talked, foot fetishes are very common. Um, We all know about that. G is for gagging. Okay. So people get off to either make their partner gag, usually men. Oh, I thought you meant putting a gag in someone's mouth. Gagging. So, I guess this episode's real hard for me. (laughs) I said hard. (laughs) Uh, So, often it's men get off on their partner gagging during oral sex. So, knowing that they're big enough to cause a gag, even though you don't really have to be that big to do it. That is like my biggest turnoff. That sound and that feeling, like, there is nothing that would take me out of the moment more than that. Um, and likewise, some part, some women like that as well. So, uh, okay. To each their own. Yep. Uh, however, if this becomes uncomfortable and you feel like you're going to throw up and that's not something you want to do, uh, just remember to stop and have safe words, people. Safe words. Uh, um, remember, kink is all about consent. Yes. And what makes you feel your sexiest. So if it doesn't make you feel your sexiest, stop doing it. Pro tip, I have a really bad gag reflex, which made dental work hard for me, which was hard because I had to have a lot of dental work done as a child. So the pro tip from the dentist was breathe through your nose and it kills the gag reflex because you're focusing on something else. The airway is not being interrupted because you're forcing it through a different pipe. So we all learned something. Pro tip, ladies and gentlemen out there, breathe through your nose. So uh, there's also the people who like humiliation, either verbally or otherwise, being humiliated, uh, consensually degrading physical sensations such as impact play, which is spanking, whipping, that sort of stuff, or um, verbal. One of the most common misconceptions about humiliation play is that it's anti-feminist. But the truth is many feminists enjoy being called such names as bitch, slut, or whore in bed. But remember to discuss such activities beforehand, keep it consensual. That way, it's feminist as fuck to engage in such play in a patriarchal world where women have long been told sex is just to make babies and we're not supposed to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Addressing what gets you off and owning it, mm-hmm. talking about it, and then making sure that that's what you get is very empowering. Yes. So if you like being called bitch or a slut or a whore, oh. own it. Yep. That's what... Um... Like, I've read Fifty Shades of Grey, and when it first came out, and the uh, conservative sphere went apeshit and was trying to use that as a example of how liberal women weren't actually liberal and weren't actually feminist, I was like, well, you've clearly never read it, because the whole point of that book is that she's in charge of the entire relationship. Yeah. The like, submissive is generally in yeah. charge. Something I learned from watching CSI. There you go. <laughs> Do you, did you ever watch CSI? Oh, ages and ages ago. So, the episodes with Lady Heather? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, Marissa's mom. Yeah. The OC. Yeah. Um, those were my favorite episodes. See... She was one of my favorite characters. But at that point, I was, like, still kind of watching it with my parents. Uh, yeah, so that would be And nobody episode. wants to watch uh, that creepy-ass relationship between Marissa's mom and Grissom with their parents in the room. That's true. But it was just such a great dynamic. Yeah. We just showed how old we are. Yes. The kids are probably like, CS what? Yeah, I know. (laughs) So we already went through, say, uh, impact play. But again, if you are impacting, so if you are getting into spanking, which is called impact play, Mm -hmm. um, start with the hands. Then you can move into paddles, whips, whatever you have around the house. Spatulas work great. (laughs) Wooden spoons, I guess. So... Start with around the butt or thigh, so those fatty areas. Absorbs the blow a bit better. Yeah, uh, stay away from... (laughs) I said blow. (laughs) Stay away from where organs reside, such as kidneys, so your lower back or rib cage. Often use a safe word. 
and start have a good solid hand wooden spoon repertoire before buying whips or floggers because uh a spending money uh and and those things can get quite dangerous so uh there is such a thing as japanese bondage as well which Hmm. is pretty i guess okay it's uh, done with ropes, and it, the Japanese word translates into the beauty of tight binding, or decoratively tied, are the two words that they use. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce them, because Fair. I just butcher them. Um, and decoratively is right. Apparently, it's an art form. So some of the best artists of these forms have high art showcases in which their subjects are tied up and transformed into things. Hmm. But it's like decoratively ties with silks and rope and stuff like that. So apparently very pretty. I mean, I've seen that uh, BuzzFeed um, video about Japanese gift wrapping. So I can I can see that. Yeah. But just if you're going to start, look into it. See how you do this. And don't forget to have scissors nearby. <laughs> That's a pro tip. Good, good yeah. tip. Good tip. Yeah. <laughs> There's also... Uh, Clistophilia, which is a glamorous Greek word that means arousal by en- enemas. Uh. So either you get aroused by getting an enema or giving an enema. It all is around the whole act of enemas. Oof. I feel like that's treading into a, another type of kink. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked about the limits. So soft limits, hard limits. That's a good discussion to have with your partner. And if you can't have that discussion... You should not be having this type of sex with that person. Exactly. In fact, you should not be having sex at all because you are not emotionally mature enough to have sex. Yeah. If you cannot have discussions with your partner because one of you is uncomfortable, then you should just not be having sex together. Mm -hmm. Masochism. Again, I'm not going to cover any most of the BDSM, but uh, there's a nylon fetish. It normally accompanies a foot fetish. One with a nylon fetish may enjoy the look and feelings of toes, feet, and legs wrapped tightly in nylon stockings. They may want to smell the nylons or have them shoved in their mouth. I love how this, the latter use, is a terrific way to shut someone up if you're into BDSM. (laughs) I just know that the only time I ever have to wear pantyhose or nylons was at work events, and they're a fucking torture device for women, so I do not associate those with being sexy on me like i could appreciate the art form of wearing those and come fuck me heels like i get yeah. that i just know that it's my own personal vietnam every time i have to swiggle my way into a set of those suckers so not sexy for me i also i have to put spanks over top of them <laughs> to like keep the crotch from like hitting my knees at some point so yeah not sexy times at all <laughs> I, I i find i don't find pantyhose very sexy uh, i just like the the pull-ups yeah that's thigh highs or the you know garter although recently discovering how hard it is to get a a garter Mm -hmm. into your stockings like the little bands that hold them up i really feel bad for women who had to deal with that for so long well they did it like every day it probably that's true they probably will raise your me yeah it's probably gonna be mad because oh my god my mom will listen to the story (laughs) uh, i once had to get dad to help me because i couldn't get them done up and i was like well this is going to ruin any sort of sexy effect (laughs) Mom, hit the skip button. Yeah, just pop ahead a few seconds. Yeah. So, yeah, it really ruined the reveal. But uh, Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, like, he's helping you put them on just to take them off, like, five yeah. minutes later. <laughs> it was worth it, but I was like, I was a good, like, 20 minutes trying. I was like, fuck, I can't get this last one. But, yeah. So, there's also objectum sexuality, which uh, is a sexual relationship or attraction to inanimate objects. So, they're mostly... Uh, portrayed as freaks and weirdos falling in love with things such as the Eiffel Tower or a boat or their couch. However, such an understanding of objectum sexuality is limited by the literal definition a fetish or any fetish is an attraction to an inanimate object anyway. Uh, This includes lingerie, feet, sex toys, and in the age of rapidly advancing sex doll technology, we're all a little bit engaged in objectum sexuality. I just think back to that old uh, TLC episode of uh, My Strange Obsession, where I literally watched a guy full-on tongue-kiss the front bumper of his red car. Yes. That was just fucking creepy to watch. Like, I'm not a fan of PDAs to start off with, but when it's PDAs between a dude and his, like, Sebring, I got a real problem. 
being able to watch that. Also, it's a Sebring. Like, if you're going to go there, <laughs> go there with, like, a good car. <laughs> I don't know, a Porsche or something that's a little more... Okay, we've arrived at the point of our lives where we're debating what is the sexiest car to make out with. Again, I not with the discussion I thought I would have this morning when I woke up. I know. <laughs> so, you know, let's not just treat these people like freaks and weirdos. Let's give them a little bit of sympathy for those who catch feelings for boats and Eiffel Towers and stuff. But it's also, I think, maybe those people need to talk to somebody. That's what I was just going to say. Like, there's a big difference between I can see the beauty in a woman wearing black thigh-high pantyhose and red-bottomed come-fuck-me heels versus I just popped a chubby looking at my washing machine. Like, and so to me, there's one is like an art form and the other is there might be something more discussion wise that you need to have with a mental health professional on that one because the the pantyhose one isn't going to fuck up your life versus i can't build social network outside of my laundry room because my girlfriend can't come with me so i think these people like not to shame you but like talk to someone yeah because it's it, it is that sort of barrier <clears throat> It was when mm. that object of the fixation comes to an extent that it may interfere with complete sexual expression or mm. even expression of social yeah. aspects. So regardless of if you can only go out where women are wearing nylons or you can't go out because you can't take, you know, your sexy washer or your blow up, to- like your yeah pool toys, because there was a guy and he used to have dinner with them and they were his girlfriends. Mm. And yeah. Then there's people who have a love for ladies who are pregnant. Mm-hmm. The look of the round belly, bigger breasts, round on bellies. That gets them off. Well, I mean, if sex is all about procreation. I get it. It makes sense that, like, this, if you go back to the lizard brain and sex, yep. you're always trying to bring out on the next generation. This woman has proved that she can. And so you are sexually attracted to that because that will give you the next generation. And I mean, like, orgasms and having sex and your due dates may help reduce labor. Mm-hmm. So usually women who are very, very pregnant and very uncomfortable are willing to be like, yeah. Jump there. Yeah. Uh, also, pregnant ladies need sex, too. <laughs> yes, that is true. The drive does not go away. That does not. In fact, the hormones probably make it worse in a lot of ways. Sometimes it does. Yeah. For some women, more so than others. Some you just feel uncomfortable. Like, oh, yeah. They're just like, I don't feel sexy. I don't feel uncomfortable. My feet are huge. Everything is huge. But then usually you're like, okay, let's see if we can get this baby out. Yeah. Jumping jack, spicy food, dick. Let's go. <laughs> Mowing your lawn, which is what I did. Yes. <laughs> Not a euphemism. Andy literally mowed her lawn. Yeah, I, I literally mowed my lawn. When I first, I was out in our like, shitty old lawnmower. <laughs> Mowing the lawn, ridiculously pregnant, because yeah. I just wanted to have this baby. There's also a uh, fetish for hands, not just the hand job, the fingering, like the stuff that you normally do with your hands. People that just find hands very sexy. So, yes, of course, they absolutely love things like the hand jobs and stuff. Mm-hmm. They also could find the mundane tasks, such as picking up groceries or doing chores, very sexy. For people who have this uh, particular fetish... <laughs> I love this article. One person's chore, such as washing dishes, someone with a hand fetish, it's their wet dream. (laughs) Wordplay. (laughs) There's also role play, which we all know about. Dressing up, doctor patients, boss secretary, pool boy, rich housewife, Mm -hmm. and the always popular teacher. Oh, okay. (laughs) Teacher student. Yeah. Pizza delivery guy. Board repair guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's no pizza in that box. Uh, well, role playing often comes with costumes and is a, a ridiculously awesome excuse to play dress up as an adult. It gives a whole new meaning to the term tickle trunk. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> no, that's mommy's tickle yeah. trunk, sweetie. <laughs> Uh, scenes can be created through dirty talk and pure imagination, so you don't necessarily need costumes. Feel free to use roleplay to tap into alter egos or your favorite fictitious characters. You know, Jon Snow and the Dragon Lady, I guess, is an example they use. Which I think is his aunt in the story, which... Uh, no. Oh? No. I'm trying Cousin? to... 
Are they related? It's a whole thing. There's theories and spoilers, and I've only read the books, and then I stopped. I didn't, like, go past the books for the TV show, and it's a whole thing. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> There's also spectrophilia. Ghost sex? Yes. Especially if you're a straight woman, and it's been a tough year to get into humans. <laughs> Those with spectrophilia report sexual attraction or relationship or sexual encounters with ghosts uh, who come and have hot sex with them. <sighs> so a succubus is a ghost in lady form that in folklore or spectrophilia fantasies visits her object of desire at night for some hot human ghost lovemaking. <laughs> and an incubus is the male variety and yes, yeah. also a band. Though the actual existence of obviously ghosts is up for debate. <laughs> Um, sexual attraction that spectrophilia reports feeling is real as any other fetish. There was some lady in, I think it was Scotland, claimed a couple years ago that she married the 400-year-old ghost of a pirate, and she just had to announce they just recently got divorced. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Okay, apparently the next one is tentacles. Ooh. So, you can't have sex with an actual octopus or octopus-like monster because octopus are animals. Therefore, they cannot give consent. consent. Also, the section cups probably hurt. But octopus-like monsters totally exist in tentacle porn. This is apparently a thing. <laughs> Which you can absolutely watch and get off on. <laughs> oh my god. Apparently, it's hot because it's foreign and forbidden. But uh, according to some experts, why this is so popular, I guess, or popular for a certain subset of people... Because it fills some pretty classic fantasy tropes like bondage, multiple penetration, like all okay. of those uh -huh. tentacles, I guess. I don't know. I've never watched tentacle porn. I would not have even assumed that it was a thing until about 40 seconds ago. Yeah. So if your ideal penis is a giant blue tentacle, <laughs> there is a sex toy manufacturer called Bad Dragon uh, that actually does make apparently a tentacle dildo. I've seen some of these like weird dildos of like uh, like alien penis or dragon penis, and I'm just like that looks like it would hurt. <laughs> yep. So Bad Dragon is the uh, sex toy manufacturer for you. <laughs> Not shocking in this list. You is for Europhilia, uh -huh. which is a fancy name for water sports, golden showers, or pee play. Most people know about that, especially due to certain alleged... Certain rumors about videotapes of trash monster presidents. Yes, and also a Sex in the City episode, apparently. Yes. But this is either letting someone pee on you or liking to pee on people. It's usually some sort of humiliation or power play or something. But anyway, it's warm, it's wet. Apparently people like that. Yeah. Voyeurism. So we're not talking about peeping toms. We're talking about people who actively engage in sex consensual voyeurism. Right. So orgies, parties, stuff like that, where, yes, you're leaving that door open as you nail somebody because you're okay <laughs> with people watching. So not the peeping toms, because that's not okay. That is not consensual. Yes. Although... <laughs> Here's where Andy tries to justify peeping toms. Go ahead. No. If you are a person who gets off on having sex in a hotel with their blinds open. Uh-huh. They're kind is, of inviting it in. Yes, yes. That's where I was going. You're you're accepting the fact that there is good. And you're probably hoping that someone is going to watch yes. you. So that's not so much a peeping tom. That's more of a borderline on consensual. Yeah. If you put like a giant sign up in your window that says, I'm about to fuck, please feel free to watch. Like those people you who... You can't judge the person who watches. Yes. Like those people who would go and check into the hotel behind... Uh, at the Sky Dome. Oh, yeah, yeah. And have sex up against the windows. <laughs> there was actually some dude's job is to watch those windows during the games to make sure yeah. that people weren't having sex. And if they were to go knock on the door and be like, you need to stop. <laughs> yeah, close your blinds. Yeah, I know. Whips for W. Wax play. Ouch. But there are, like, candles and stuff that have a lower melting point, so they're actually Yeah, but at the end of the that. day, you're still pouring hot substances on your bare skin. And there's also ones that, uh, candles that are massage candles, so as they burn, it's actually massage oil. Those are lovely. Because yeah. yeah. it's, like, nice warm massage oil <laughs> as you're... I actually used to have one of those. 
And then there's those stupid eggs that still jade eggs, mm. yawny eggs. Okay, this is a this is a pro tip from my physiotherapist. <laughs> yes, you want to make sure that your pelvic floor muscles are strong, but mm-hmm. you don't want to over tighten because over tightening just leads to things like vaginismus, which means you can't have sex. Yeah. So it's this delicate balance. If you don't have a problem with like peeing yourself when you cough there is really no reason to go strengthening your pelvic floor yeah if you're worried about such things go see a physiotherapist who specializes in pelvic floor physiotherapy your vagina doesn't stretch out over time Mm -hmm. it's a elasticy thing so regardless if you've taken dick from 50 men or one man it doesn't stretch out you don't need to go in there and Titan. Titan. You need to stop making that hand gesture. Sorry. I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> I talk with my hands. So there's no need. There's no need. If you're worried about your pelvic floor, go see somebody and they will tell you if you need to do anything or not. But if you're not peeing when you cough or sneeze or laugh, you're probably okay. Also, if you are peeing when you cough, sneeze or laugh, you don't have to just deal with that and where it depends. Yeah. Go see somebody. They will help you deal with that. Yes. This is not, ha- it's not a part of aging. Mm-hmm. That was her rant that she hates these commercials. I was like, it's a normal part of aging. Yes. But you can also stop it. Yes. And the Z is for the zapper that we talked about. Yeah. There's the end of our alphabet. It's not that hard to get off. I just keep coming back to that. Yeah. It's really not. And if it is like, you might need to talk to somebody about it have your kinks but understand why they are there so that is my story for today i don't know how we're going to tie this together but um hmm. i mean i'm pretty sure zeus can give us the yeah or trojans in some way oh there you go (laughs) so let's end this with our prince charming florida man the headline for this article is florida man arrested for trying to trade pot for food at mcdonald's (laughs) drive-thru I mean, depending on who you've got at the window, it probably would have worked. <laughs> so according to Port St. Lucie Police Department, officers were called to a McDonald's around 2 a.m. after a 23-year-old rolled up to a drive through window in his Pontiac four-door sedan and offered to trade some marijuana for food. <laughs> <laughs> so the Florida man who may have been suffering from a mad case of the munchies, tried to barter (laughs) a baggie of weed in exchange for some McDonald's at the drive-thru early on Sunday. It's got to be chicken nuggets. (laughs) They didn't say what he tried to order. The McDonald's staff called the cops around 2 a.m. after this happened. So the man drove off after employees refused the offer. But according to the police department, officers remain in the area of the McDonald's only to have the guy roll through again at the drive through <laughs> I was wondering, like, did they con the guy into, like, waiting for a super long time? No. But he was just dumb enough to go and come back. Got it. I think he came back with real money this time. Uh. But the officers approached the car and noticed a strong smell of weed coming from it. <laughs> the man was allegedly found with 11 grams of marijuana in the Ooh, car. That's a lot. And according to the police, the man also admitted to offering the swap weed for some McDonald's, but said he did so as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> the suspect was arrested for driving under the influence and possession yeah. of marijuana under 20 grams i mean you gotta handle your high <laughs> like, this is why i only smoke friday and saturday evenings in my home privately and then i don't interact with humans like i barely text you after that fact yep. and what i do it's just bonkers things like do you think we call romaine lettuce romaine because of the whole caesar salad thing and that's like the extent. Or here is this weird Victorian <laughs> nude photo I found with some naked woman wearing an owl's head. Not sure how I found it, but here it is. The killer is I woke up Sunday morning, I'm scrolling through my phone, I'm like, I don't know where this came from. I cannot remember where I found it, nor why I what I was doing to find it. And there's no indication from my Google search history of what it could possibly have been. <laughs> but here is a naked woman wearing an owl hat. <laughs> an owl head. That was holding like a sickle or something, wasn't it? Yes, in a cape, of course. Uh, So you got to learn to handle your high. If I had taken that level of crazy out to like the local Tim Hortons, like, yeah, people should be worried about me. (laughs) So, yeah. And the picture. So so because this is uh, not a visual meme, everybody should look this up. 
This was uh, published on December 18th uh, of this year, and the guy looks like a real winner. Yeah, he's got kind of a crazy-eyed look on his face. He's got kind of a Justin Bieber, but I've been through a wind tunnel look (laughs) happening. And a little bit of a milk mustache rolling, it looks like. Yeah. I don't know, like a Keanu Reeves level, I can't really grow it, but I'm still going to pretend I can. Or the Sidney Crosby at uh, playoff times. Oh, yeah. Is that, I think he started to get better, but the first few playoffs, that boy could not grow some facial hair. He was like, what, 16? Like, <laughs> Even later on, it was laughable. Because there's some guys well, who Keanu like... still can't do it. Yeah. Like, by the time, like, two weeks into hockey playoff season, they've the got these, like... lumberjack beards. Full lumberjack beards, and you've got guys who are like... Six whiskers. <laughs> <laughs> so that is our show for this week I uh, hope you enjoyed our trip through uh, ancient Greece and modern fetishes um, if you would like to get in touch with us you can see our website for show notes and contact information and that's www.rabbitholespodcast.com we are on the social uh, with all the cool kids we are at rabbit holes podcast on instagram we have a rabbit holes podcast page on facebook at and on twitter it's at rabbit holes pod if you want to support us and what we do we would love for you to become a patron we have our patreon page set up you can find us on patreon.com and just search the show name or access that through the support tab on our website and if you want to wrap us out in the big bad world and pick up some merch we have a store via redbubble you can either search the show name again on redbubble.com or check us out from the merch tab on the website and if you want to give us a review or a rating on iTunes or Stitcher, then please do so. We appreciate all of them. We do read them. We like to hear what you say. And also just give us a reference to a friend next time you're a friend and you're talking about podcasts or random trivia, interesting things. Say, hey, you should check out this podcast because we grow on word of mouth as do most podcasts actually and we appreciate all of those who listen to us um from australia to norway and vietnam and everybody in between so there's only one last thing to say if you don't know where you're going any road will take you there have a great one bye guys bye